So we were getting, you were telling us um, about how the Sense Ensemble came about, George, and um, we've got a video here that of, of some of the performance. Will we look at a few, what would you like to cover next? Will we um, look at some more, the, the pictures from the, the, the actual uh, the photographs with the, with the vanilla scented? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, that's George's website there. That's uh, georgehiggs.com. You can find out lots about George on there. And that's his SoundCloud, the new album, The Sense Ensemble. So, George, what's this here now? So that's um, during The Sense Ensemble Study 2, which is, I think, the fifth track on the album. Um, we did that in the Samuel Beckett Theatre in Trinity, and it was another study where, whereby we taught a sequence of gestures that the piece was based on to the string quartet, the Crash Ensemble String Quartet, and then to the audience, and we would the audience would enact um, these these gestural syllables, whatever these gestural these patterns with us um, at different points. And we bring them, cue them in and out, and bring them into the music. And it was scored as part of the music. And so on the album, you have I have a reworking of the what the string quartet was playing. I actually used to play on that that piano behind me, which is a player piano. I think maybe I told you in the last podcast. Um, I just kind of as often is the case when you have a piece of music i often noodle around with it on the piano and i worked it into a piano piece from what was a string quartet and gestures and then it's on the album you'll hear it has piano organ drums and bass as well a few other things um, so that's one thing i should say those sense ensemble pieces study one two and three were all originally used as studies my PhD research into multi-sensory composition, but they're they're really re reworkings of those pieces. Um, so that, that those pictures are of the performance, the original performance, which was this experimental performance study, um, which was quite different from the the music you know that's on the album. But you know what can you do? It's like when you film a play, it's always good to do a make it a new thing. Yeah. Like exactly, you're right. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think I was saying that in study number one. It, the first time I started recording that, I was going to be pretty faithful to the original. I was like, okay, I'll put the pulsing rhythm in the beginning. I just listened to it. I was like, okay, that's interesting for me, but <laughs> I don't know. So the way it starts now is like bang, da 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 da. I put something more kind of crowd pleaserish in there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ah, that's important. Get their attention. You know, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's funny mixing that one because I was like. It's where you pump the levels up straight up to negative one dB right away. So you're kind of stuck with that. Um, anyway, um, yeah, and then actually on the album, there are studies that I I created this year. Um, and that's why I put them on, all of them together, because I, I was funded by the Arts Council, um, luckily this year, which was great, um, to do some research into arts participation. And I worked with two uh, deaf musicians, deaf individuals that I've worked with since they were 14. They're, they're probably 26 now. And uh, we did it through Zoom because it was COVID. It came up with gestures again was that George? Was that true because some of the work you do in schools? Was that how that kind of came about? It, yeah, I mean, this was... this. I've done the work with the schools, yeah. But this was thing starting back in 2010 when I worked in St. Mary's School for Deaf Girls. So that was, yeah, that was. And I was funded by... Uh, create artist in the community, an artist in the community award to do 
work in St. Mary's School for Deaf Girls. And actually, there's a film of us doing a performance in the Contemporary Music Center called Machine of Song. I think I I sent you earlier, Shane. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so I built this kind of instrument and we performed on it. It had vibrating speakers. Can't get away from the vibrating speakers. It had lab <laughs> and pipes, you know. Uh, it had uh, a wooden marimba. Had a, actually, one of the coolest things had a symbol on a spring, uh, a tension spring, like from a farm. I got it from a farm co cooperative shop. And so the symbol's hanging on the spring, and you kind of give it, you send it down to the floor, and it kind of gracefully goes down and clashes on the floor, and then springs up again, clashes on the floor again. Eventually, it stops hitting the floor and just springs it up and down. So it had this visual rhythm um, to it. I, it's always like happy accidents like the that which are great you know it's just a bit of fun oh, i do a thing with slinky and a bloom that sounds very similar oh nice yeah slinkies yeah good yeah. idea actually yeah slinkies would be good yeah do you know there's like i was a cool thing i saw that um it's one of the fa like the really famous like uh instantly recognizable uh sound effects from star wars is like a metal slinky just stretched out like 20 feet or something like that and you just give it a you just give it a bang and it's like yeah, that's it's, the sound of the uh lightsabers is it this is it the lightsabers or is it the, the the blasters it's one or the other i can't but it's it's one of the like or was it tel no it was telegraph cable was um the the lightsabers telegraph cable yeah, so that's right. So I think the slinky was the yeah. was the the when they fired a shot off or whatever. Yeah, uh, the blasters or whatever. I still remember that sound. Yeah, it's great. They're, yeah, those sound guys, those foley artists, are amazing. Really. Yeah, it must be a lot of fun. And I think, like you said, like sometimes the way they come up with these things, it's got to be accidents, like just these random things. They kind of like what is it? What does they they do? Like um, like. Is it like lettuce you use to get for a the sound of a punch or something like that? Like it's like really abstract a lot of the time. Um, like the sound of something getting stabbed is normally a watermelon. Yeah, yeah. Um, the sound of someone walking on gravel or grass is done with magnetic tape. Wow, that's funny. Uh, the sound of breaking glass is normally like a teaspoon in a pint glass. Yeah, that's cool. On the on the actually Sense Ensemble Study Three, the I think which is track ten, I have an explosion. That's all about the atomic bomb, basically. Oh I, yeah, I heard George. I mean, it wasn't originally about the atomic bomb. <laughs> no, the mix of stuff in there is brilliant. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd nearly forgotten about that. There's some really nice um, old, no. archived audio footage in there that really just yeah. You got you have um, Tr President Truman, uh, who was whatever justified the use of the atomic bomb, and then you have Hirohito, the Japanese emperor, first time on the radio or anybody hearing him that, that wasn't part of his kind of set, uh, announcing the surrender of Japan after Nagasaki or Hiroshima, uh, and um, and then who else is in there? Uh, and the explosion. I, I just got an explosion sound again. Actually, that was the first thing that happens. Sets the levels way. Oh god! But isn't that like that's like something that they that uh, I've I've heard is done like a lot at the start of an album. Like they like to put like a kind of a ear cleanser in at the start, so like a really kind of like um, uh, electric laid land land springs to mind. You know that first track where it's really kind of it's all stretched and just 
yeah. uh, uh, bits of white noise and stuff. And the idea is to kind of help clean out your ears before you get, and then you get hit with this really luscious kind of. It's um, a good idea. I suppose it's a bit like a hot sauce on food. It kind of wakes up your taste buds a little bit. Yeah, like. yeah. Because yeah, I think I have a long tradition of doing additive stuff where I give you a little bit of something, put another. I like showing that the layering, bup, 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 bup. Um, but that's the opposite approach where you just like throw it all in there. But yeah, the Sense Ensemble Three was it was originally actually there's very interesting background to that. That's again track ten. That was originally not a performance with with. Uh, live audience people would come into the room and i'd set up this kind of theater with my computer i had my i built this kind of frame so it was like a um, curtain across my computer and i, I built a little wooden platform just because i was too cheap to get a screen so i used my computer and i had a pure data actually i included the pure data patch in there if you want oh yeah yeah i was like on it yeah it's that That's uh, max, max, MSP, max yeah so uh, george just for people who might not be for, familiar with max can you give just give them a little idea sure. of what it is yeah, so I'll just explain too, so it makes more sense. Otherwise, it sounds really technical, which it's not. Basically, it was a multi-sensory composition. People, it's this really wicked phenomenon. Um, it's called the Ladam's Shams test. You can look it up on YouTube. Look up Ladam Shams, and it's this phenomenon where if you see two flashes and two pulses, you hear two flashes and two pulses. But what this scientist what she did was she, uh, she accompanied one flash with two pulses, two sonic pulses, doot, doot, and people would report seeing two flashes. And what she was doing was basically showing that there is a connection between what we see and what we hear, that what we kind hear. Kind of like programmed response, like. It's more, it's more that it's um, cross-modal uh, kind of cognitive processing where what you're seeing will influence what you're hearing. You'll literally hear different things. And it, it actually goes to a much greater extent. She was just trying to clinically show it in that case. Yeah. But actually, it's, there's another thing called, this is really cool, it's up on YouTube as well, the McGurk effect. And that's really wicked. This guy's, this guy, they show you him saying da and ga. And then they change the audio and the video so that when he's saying da, he's actually saying ga. You hear ga, but he's with his lip mm. saying ba, and you hear something between, which is ga. I can't remember if it's da and ba with ga in the center. That you, your brain basically comes up with a different solution. It's like, okay, I see, I'm seeing his lips go ba. I'm hearing da. So what I'm going to experience is ga. Your brain comes up with a compromise. So yeah. all the scientists were basically trying to show. Look, you, what you see isn't just what you see; it's what you hear too. They all these. So that's my that was my whole vibe with the right. cross modal kind, kind of like um, stirring a cup of tea. The sound kind of changes as you listen to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. It reminds Especially, me a bit, George. Like you can probably come across like binaural tones. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and it's like you're presented with two different tones, like, and if they're close enough, you'll hear a kind of a, 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 a it's an illusion, effectively, but like it is there, like it's a pulse, like it's an interaction between, and and like the tones don't even necessarily have to be meeting, like if they're meeting in your ear, in, like in your ears, it's happening in your brain, basically, which I think goes back to something you were talking about uh, in the previous show to do with, um, you know, the ability to hear something 
also involves understanding what it is you're listening to. Absolutely. Yeah, even if you don't truly understand the, the source, you, de you need to somehow approximate or invent the solution. You, you just need to. to it's, a, it's a cognitive thing, then, kind of, is it, essentially? Yeah, absolutely. Our ears, you know, and our vision were, you know, evolved to for survival and whatever procreation to. And uh, so they're, they're tools, and I guess your bodies and your mind are desperate to, to understand the environment, you know, for survival, and they're always coming up with solutions, cooperative solutions. But, well, Tastes like chicken. <laughs> yeah. But that, yeah. so in, in that sense ensemble study number three, basically people would see flashes and pulses. And then I, the, the thing I added in, I was in contact with Ladan Shams, this, this, uh, she's a cognitive scientist in, I can't remember where she's based in, in North America, but anyway, to ask her about how she got her flashes. How do you get your flashes? How do you get your cake? How do you bake that cake? Uh, <laughs> But she was really helpful, and and I was even in sculpting the pulses, how far apart in time I should have the pulses. But then I added in a vibrotactile element, so you had three things. So people would sit there watching the screen, this flash would come up, and they would write down how many flashes they saw. That was the idea, or they no, they'd hold their finger up. That's right, and they'd be like one or two, and I'd write down. Right. And then I I tried to study, uh, you know, how much of a correlation there was between what they felt what they saw and what they heard whether i had three pulses i had four pulses i had a lot going on and then it turned into this piece of music i couldn't couldn't stop myself basically as they the pulse happened wow more music would fill in but they still see the pulses and he, they'd still hear those essential doo -doo -doo -doo. so at the beginning of that study number three you hear this morse code and that's that's where that came from it was the, it was the the beeps the the pulses that the people were hearing while they saw the flashes And then when it came to the album, I started adding the bits together. But it got, suddenly, <laughs> there were so many bits. I remember I started with just one bit. And then I was in the kitchen one night. And I came up with, you know, it's just things just fall together. And that's the adventure. It's just like letting things happen. And again, we were talking about with conversations, social situations, letting things happen, not trying to be in charge. And th this idea of the adventure, you just have to let it happen. I think that's a lot of songwriting you have to be there for it to happen, uh, but you have to let it happen. You can't try to control it. Um, and who knows where, who knows where anything, you know, people say, where does the melody come from? Where does your next sentence come from? Where does your conversation come from? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I, there's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there were things this month or, uh, yeah, in September there that we, we were kind of focusing on here on Cannes and, um, like going back to what you were saying, you were just working on something that you were interested in. And it turned out some of the stuff that basically we had to see it sound back in July for all of a sudden was very relevant in September. And we're like, how did that, how did that happen? We didn't plan yeah. it that way, but we right. were following our heart and our gut, as you said. Mm. And I think, you know, those three things together, your gut, your heart and your mind, get them balanced and go out and try and do some good work and it does lead to you don't know where it's going to go and that is part of the excitement um because once yeah. you've done it a few times you kind of start to go hey this is kind of working what happens next time <laughs> like, yeah yeah exactly exactly so at the beginning of that study number three you hear this morse code and that's that's where that came from it was the, it was the 
the beeps, the, the pulses that the people were hearing while they saw the flashes. And then I kind of took the ball and ran with it. I started thinking that's like Morse code, obviously. And I thought of when the atomic bomb went off. And the atomic bomb for me, maybe all my life, there are a lot of things as I think an American that, you know, you have to kind of either address morally or, or not address them if you that's your choice. But that one thing was the atomic bomb. I think growing up, that and still is a big thing for me. It's this idea of justifying um, genocide, you know, in Japan. The, yeah, no, it can't be. It can't be genocide. No, there's no way to justify it. Like, yeah, I mean, and so you know, but people that's my opinion. That. That's my, in my yeah. opinion, anyway. That's how I yeah. feel about Not it. Not even mathematics, like, yeah. <laughs> what you say? That's that's that. Not even with mathematics. One of the biggest justifications they use for Hiroshima and Nagasaki is, well, if we didn't do that, millions of other people would have died as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. exactly. And uh, I, I think, and there's a huge part of me, I think, that all my life, I was, I, you know, you live in a, what's an empire, essentially, the, uh, the American, the United States empire, and you have to kind of, Especially when you leave it, you live somewhere else. When I was living in Ireland um, first, I've been here for 30 years now, more. But um, I was very conscious and self-conscious and probably insecure about that identity I had, you know. And I guess that that piece of music turned into this kind of expression of that. I guess it's uncertainty because, sure, it was a war and the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor and so on and so forth. But there's no getting around the mass killing was is just morally unconscious it's unconscionable you know yeah. whatever way you slice it so I, that's what that was all about and i i, I enjoyed making it by the wrong uh word well, to you but well i have um, to say george the, the the whole uh from 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 the first track all the way through like it it, it is it's a it's an auditory journey and when i started to hear that that stuff coming in more towards the second half or towards the end of the album, I was like, oh, wow, more. This is great. And it was, re I literally, I was like, I knew it was coming like towards the end of the album. I was like, I don't want this to stop. Like, this is such a journey. Like, it's nice to hear. Thanks. It's beautiful. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, Chris, you're going to oh. love it now when you, when you, when you get near on it. Yeah. I, so, again, everybody, it's on SoundCloud. Too. It's on SoundCloud. George Higgs, Charles, um, uh, the Sense Ensemble. Check it out. So, George. Yeah. Just on a, on a wee segue, for, for, uh, for we, we mentioned it a little bit before um, on the last show, and I recommend people go and check that out. Um, but with this this thing that's on screen at the moment, I'm seeing a smoke ring, and I heard a rumour that it was actually vanilla-scented smoke rings you were firing out there. Is that right? No, all the rumours are true. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, uh, I, the, I made these Vortex cannons. Um, fancy name actually i discovered them on an amish farm in america this guy was an amish museum basically uh a museum for to show amish culture wow. this guy this guy was in a barn i remember and he was he had a vortex cannon but he didn't have smoke in it he was just showing us that we could stand across the barn and hit the vortex cannon and yeah. you'd feel that what's a donut of air we couldn't see it the donut but yeah. And that was my first experience with them as well. Actually, was uh, they do a, do a thing in Circus Tripoli where they shoot cups off people's heads with them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I did that with the kids, and I actually um, don't ask me how I had so many beer boxes, but I had beer boxes. <laughs> uh, 
Miller beer. And I, that's what I made my first vortex. I just, I was like, that would be typical me. I, I, I would just well, probably anybody you have an idea. So I grab whatever I, and I taped the box sh tightly shut. So Eric, Eric and I out and cut a hole in one end and hit one side of it and made a great vortex can. So if you go to little or whatever, get a Miller beer, 12, <laughs> 12, uh, pack, whatever, and make a vortex can at home. And then you get a smoke machine and pump some smoke into it. You'll have a donut of air. So yeah, and and the, to answer your question, I remember that was the second time around using the vortex cannons, and I was ordering more fog fluid for the smoke machines. Actually, we have two on stage, and if you watch the video, yeah, we're going to get to that actually in a little bit. We'll we'll get to the video in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, no, oh, to make yet. the video a more multi-sensory experience, where did they send the self-addressed envelope with the five euros in it to be sent a sample of this smoke? <laughs> Is you to my charity? <laughs> so be, we, oh, we, we, your own account. <laughs> we got a wee bit distracted, George. We're going, you're going to tell us about this. Is this the Mac schematic here? Did you distract me, Shane? I, I might have done. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think it was me. Terrible. Um, yeah, that's that's the Max MSP. Uh, Miller Paquette would kill me if I said that. So that's all pure data is the program I use, or Max MSP. And it's a graphical programming environment. Basically, you can drag and drop uh, little symbols, and you can make whatever you want, actually. You can make music. You can use it for video. You can use it for all. You can turn the lights on and off in your house. Just maths, basically. And I used it to generate these pulses and these. That's just the home page. That's a little sampler. That's a sequencer, actually. You see those oh, little wow, steps? Oh, wow, yeah. That's actually the tune in the doo 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 Oh, wow, songs. really? Wow. Number three, that's the tune. And actually, when you're watching the patch in real time, those little things restack. They're MIDI notes, basically. They just right. restack themselves. Uh, so actually, when I made the piece for the album i had to go back into the patch and i couldn't find the recording i couldn't remember the tune so i just checked the midi notes and wrote them down in the program <laughs> and studied where they were on the piano i was like oh yeah that was the tune yeah so if you listen to that piece of music it's pretty cool because that's one of these additive things where i put first you hear the double basses they're just double bass samples then a cello comes in and they're kind of bopping along and then it's an electric piano um I used instead of the sequencer. I kind of went mad on electric pianos in this album, by the way. I love, I love, I always love the electric piano. Uh, what's it? Uh, I love the way that uh, Donald Fagan uses it with Steely Dan. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. hey, now, doo, doo. they're really percussive. It's such yeah, an amazing. Yeah, it is very percussive. Yeah. The roads or whatever they are, uh, they're the most amazing instruments because they've got sustain, they've got. They've got percussion. Oh, they're just beautiful. And they yeah. cut through a mix. Like, yeah, it was yeah. like my salvation a couple of times of the album where it's like, what sound can I use here? I, well, I, I, I doubled a lot of instruments. Actually, if you listen mm. to Sense Ensemble 1, uh, there's a, a keyboard solo in the middle. And I wasn't, it was originally just piano. It's very, it's quite fast. And I, I thought it's getting lost in the mix. So I started doubling it with different things. And I do that a lot now. I just, take three instruments and I put them on top of each other and uh, that worked really well um, I doubled it with a clavinet with a clav um, which is a really kind of throaty raspy sound as you know uh, 
that reggae musicians of the seventies used. Yeah, it so it's great. Well. I love it, and it's kind of it's kind of got one of those like it's it's not it's not like a hundred percent in concert tune, which really just kind of adds uh, to it a lot. Like, such a, yeah, that's the, that's that's a really good point. The the kind of semi pitched quality to some of those instruments. Yeah, because the way the, the way the notes kind of crunch is a bit more unique than like when they you know. Yeah, actually, that guy I don't mind mentioning again. Actually, where I met Larry O'Toole, uh, the chorus with Dr. Dermot Furlong, DJ Furlong. He <laughs> uh, he did a he used to talk a lot about bells, the semi pitched quality of bells, and it was all about tonality. What is a tone? You know, and how do we know if it's a? You know, you have these tones like an F, and sometimes you're missing the fundamental frequency. How do we still know it's an F? You know, that's what these studies try to figure out. How's our brain? Again, it's all about our the way we process reality. Now, one thing I wanted to mention before, which is really interesting, when I did that PhD about multisensory experience and the nature of how our ears affect what we see, I think what fascinated me most is when you get down to the what's called phenomenology, which I never understood what phenomenology was until... I still don't. It's like... Uh, I, I, probably, I repeat myself a lot, but I probably said the last time we talked. That's okay. It's like what... It's like what uh, um, there's, not, there's only so many words you have to repeat yourself occasionally. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but Richard, Richard Feynman says about quantum mechanics, he says, people say they understand it. They're lying. I don't understand <laughs> it. I, and I invented it. You know? and, uh, That's to say, you know, wasn't that true of the guy who invented... Um, what was that electrical component? Um, Faraday or... No, like one of the newer the transistors, oh. I think, is it? Oh, okay, sorry. Was it transistors? The, the, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But there, yeah, there's been a lot of stuff like that where they invented. They ended up kind of going insane trying to understand it. They just not works like, and they're like, well, I can't. Well, electric, electricity itself, yeah. I mean, just try to understand that. Yeah. The current goes the opposite way to what you expect. It's so that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And but phenomenology, I didn't quite understand. And again, I still don't understand it because how can you understand it? It's all about the nature, the essence of experience, the essence of things, you know. And I think the thing that really blows my mind is I try to explain this to my kids. It's like we take for granted that there's this thing called reality and we're part of and we're experiencing reality. So we say, oh, the world is the world and I'm looking at the world and the information comes in my eyes and I process it. But what the phenomenologists and embodied cognitive cognition kind of people say uh, theorists say is that no the reality is this participative uh this interaction that we tra we transact with what there there are things around us surely but they're not just there we're creating them as much as they exist so this cup you know i see this cup for as a cup because I have spent my whole life and my whatever my grandfather, grandmother, the evolution of my body has created this kind of um, way of interacting with the things around me. And I see it as a cup only because I've been conditioned that way. And there's so much history. There's so much history to the experience of this cup. And I probably people hear that like, yeah, whatever. it's just a cup. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but it's really. No, but um, but, you know, I used to do a thing every now and then where, like, someone offered me a cup of tea, and I go, "No, I'll have a bowl of tea, please." <laughs> and, they, and they'd be like, "What?" It's like, "Oh, can I have it in a bowl, please?" Yeah, and they'd be like, "You can't have tea in a bowl. <laughs> you put tea yeah. in a cup." 
Exactly. You know? It's funny. It's funny you changed the words. I think it's really good. That's a really good point. It's like again about this multi-sensory experience. Again, just to cut it back, it's like his music multi-sensory. It depends how you decide to think about it. And if you start thinking about it that way, it, it, it changes lots of things. If you think about it as a bowl, you know, drink your what's the difference? Drink the French drink their co coffee out of a bowl. It changes the experience, you know. <laughs> but we often say that about food. I mean, which is sure everybody will agree. The texture of food hugely influences your experience. Yeah, or what, what you expect to taste when you see it as well. Uh, Who was that, Chris? And, and the temperature and Chris, wasn't there wasn't there changes. some fam famous contemporary art artist you mentioned to me there a while back who does some kind of weird things where he make he makes food yeah. that like it looks like a burger but it tastes like ice cream yeah, or, a cake. or or cake or something yeah. or what? Yeah, uh, um, it was almost was an experiment, it, like, a study, probably another study, like George is yeah. talking about. Like he he did a breakfast, right? And um, like the egg, the yolk was mango pureed and mixed with gelatin. The white was vanilla flavored, like it wasn't an egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. It was kind of set jelly, like a Cadbury's vanilla part. Yeah, partly mango. That's fun. Um, the tomato was white pudding wrapped in like a, a, a sauce that had been congealed down, like using gelling agents. That's good. And then wrapped around the, the pudding to make a tomato. Yeah, yeah. Looking thing, and you know, there was there was a few different things. Like nothing tasted or was like it looked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nice. it really confused people. It's a bit like that thing, you know, like that, that that came out there years back. It was like how uh, it was all the trend to have your caviar with white chocolate, like you know. It's like I wouldn't eat, I yeah. not, wouldn't be into caviar myself anyway. But when you think like caviar and white chocolate, how would that ever work? But apparently it does. Like so, there's there are there's there's weird things like that. But listen, we were gonna take another, we're gonna take another wee, um, wee bumper break, and I just want to uh, let people know again before I. Let you know where to find George's album about that program, uh, Max uh, or Pure Data, Ma Max DSP or Pure Data. Is that correct, George? Yeah. Um, and DSP stands for Digital Signal Processing, and that's open source, George. I think, isn't it? As far as I know. Pure Pure, pure Data is, is open source. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Max MSP by. Yeah, so I can't find the graph there, but that was that kind of schematic thing. Oops. So just for anybody who I might be interested in that, or people who are um, people who are interested in MIDI in general, like uh, pure data. And for they weren't teaching that when 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 I was still in college. It's, it's something I, I'd I'd love to go and look at because there's been times when when uh, when I've been working with MIDI where I just needed to do something that just wasn't quite available in a VST plugin and. Uh, Pure data would have been a way to go about it, and I, I, it, it's kind of, it's something you can probably study yourself, uh, George. Is it? It's it's Entirely. not entirely. My yeah. my recommendation with it is download P PD and follow some of the tutorials. And this is what I'd say: use it for something you need to use. Just do something simple, like to play a sound, and it's surprisingly easy. At first, people like sort of mind bog. It's mind boggling for them, but it's, it's yeah. good. 
And then you can do all kinds of stuff with it because you could either link it with MIDI or I've seen people linking it with this thing, Arduino. Do you know those Arduino things? Yeah. They do all kinds of incredible stuff. And then and then the other thing is is then if you get into the mobile app kind of territory, there's also a lot of a lot of um Yeah, so it would be quite useful. So I'll roll the bumper and what do you reckon, George? We come back, will we watch a bit of the performance when we get back? Yeah, and I'll just one thing I want to make sure I talk about is the, the expression sense ensemble and I just sent you some pictures you can take a look to talk about that because again it ties in with this whole idea what why I call it sense ensemble in the first place right and and you know we've got lots of time today so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go for as long as we can and hopefully there won't be uh, any power cuts in the middle of this storm but uh, so let's just see and before I roll the bumper I'm gonna hit stop let's hold our breath.